You're listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 129, featuring Danny Tamboro and Gina Gillespie of the podcast On Stage with Wellness. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? My name is Maggie Barra, and welcome to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every single week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com slash podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Actor Aesthetic, or join our Facebook group, the Actor Aesthetic Alliance. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. Don't forget that the theater industry is a business and it's all about branding and marketing. You can be the absolute best actor in the world, but if no one knows who you are and you don't know how to market yourself, what's the point? Learn how to easily define your brand and communicate it through websites, social media, headshots, resumes, postcards, and audition material by grabbing a copy of my ebook, Marketing 101 for Actors, an actor's guide to successful branding. Simply go to actoraesthetic.com shop to get your copy today. Hey friends, it's Maggie. Thanks for joining me this week for another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast. Now today I'm talking with Gina and Danny of the On Stage with Wellness podcast, all about holistic health. Now, Danny and Gina are both performers turned certified health coaches who host the On Stage with Wellness podcast, and their mission is to empower performers with their holistic wellness, self-worth, and authenticity in the industry so they can fully shine on and off the stage. They both have performed internationally with Danny specializing in modern dance and Gina in musical theater. They both received their health coach certification from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and have worked with dozens of clients in and out of the industry to live more sustainable lives. They hope to normalize holistic health in the performing industry and make it part of a performing arts education. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy our chat. Can you just announce yourselves and your names so that the podcast listeners know who each of you are? Because hashtag podcast struggles. We don't have a video to go with this. So (laughs) go ahead. Um, I'm Danny Tamboro and uh, I apologize, but I'm actually kind of losing my voice. So I sound raspier than usual, but (laughs) you get to experience the Danny Tamboro rasp. So saucy, saucy this morning. Um, I'm Gina Gillespie and I am feeling okay today. Not as rasps. (laughs) So um, I know both of you grew up as performers in your own right. Can you tell me a little bit about your careers thus far and how you've transitioned into health coaching? Gina, if you want to start. Yeah. Um, I went to um, AMDA in New York. I'm sure many people have heard of it. Um, Back in 2007, when I graduated high school and um, went straight to New York, did that experience for about two years, took the summer off, did some other stuff back in my hometown of Virginia. And then immediately after graduating, I was very lucky enough to get booked with Disney Cruise Line right away. Um, I had never even known that Disney even had a cruise line. (laughs) 
I was like, cool, <laughs> this sounds great. Um, so I had originally auditioned for like a few things here and there in the city and then um, finding Nemo in the parks. And when I didn't get that, they were like, actually, we want to have you on a ship as like a little girl. And I was like, oh, okay, I can do that. <laughs> So I actually worked for Disney Cruise Line for almost a decade, um, which is like a huge accomplishment for me, you know, and it was a struggle um, trying to figure out if it was something I wanted to continue for a long period of time, because you get a lot of like backlash from people like, why are you still here? Like, you know, you should go back to the city. And that's where all the, you know, the stuff is. Um, But I was like, this is, this is keeping me stable. Like this is in my own right, an accomplishment. So I stuck with it and I made sure that every contract that I had was different in some way where I could learn a new role or whether it was like understudy a new role. Um, we were traveling all over the world. So I got to, you know, go to different countries and stuff. So it was an incredible experience that I would never, ever regret. Um, and I got a multitude of experience in the theater and, you know, with dance and singing, I played all different types of roles that challenged me in different ways and did extra things, whether it was with guest artists or um, cabarets or our own material. So um, I can't say the same if I were to be doing, you know, like a couple of tours. It was, even though it was working for one company, it was definitely an amazing, versatile experience for sure. And I got off the ship in 2018. Um, in I think March and I haven't been back since and it's actually really nice <laughs> I mean gosh to spend so much time on the on the ship I mean I love it's funny that you say you you didn't know that Disney had a cruise line my family loved the Disney cruises <laughs> yeah we probably saw you perform and we loved <laughs> the shows we loved the shows specifically we thought they yeah. were so great and really really well done mm-hmm. um and I think that's so great that you were able to really advocate for yourself and make sure mm-hmm. that every experience was different in, mm-hmm. in, in its own way. That's awesome. Yeah. Had to grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about you, Danny? Yeah. So, um, I, I grew up very wanting to be a ballerina. So I was like a hardcore ballet, went to, you know, various different summer programs, uh, went away to high school. I went to Interlock and Arts Academy in Michigan. Um, and it was there, I kind of realized, you know what, Danielle, I don't know if you have the ballet body. This might not work out. Your feet are like biscuits and you can't get up on point. So (laughs) I decided modern dance barefoot was really where I should be. So kind of transitioned my focus to more modern dance. Uh, Went to college, went to Marymount Manhattan College uh, in the city, um, studied modern dance and, you know, got a liberal arts education. Um, and it was there that I really, um, actually in high school, I really fell in love with, with modern dance, um, but particularly in college too, because we studied like various different modern techniques. Um, I went to like the Paul Taylor summer program and I realized that that was like my jam, that, that movement felt so good in my body. So, you know, I graduated college wanting to pursue modern dance. So, you know, I did the whole New York city dance audition and trying to take as many classes as possible and trying to make connections with people and doing internships and all that stuff. Um, and I ended up spending like the first few years out of college, actually like helping 
uh, like being a part of friends growing their own dance companies. So I really took a uh, part in like, okay, I'm going to do like their social media. I'm going to be the company manager. And, you know, I helped friends like get their companies off the ground. We hosted auditions um, and just did like lots of different performances all over the city. Um, and then a few years later, I ended up getting um, a touring gig with the Shadow Dance Company, um, Catapult Entertainment. Um, so we performed, uh, all over Germany. We did like a, a tour of Germany and we also went to a few other places in Europe, um, in France and Lithuania, um, and then a few other places in the U S. So I did that for only about a season. And, um, it, I mean, it was so, so wildly fun. You know, I think that was something I always wanted to do. I always knew I wanted to tour in some capacity. So I felt like, oh, I achieved that. I did that. It was just a blast and a half. Um, but when I came back, I kind of, I started to go to auditions again and I realized I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I just kind of felt this, this like, okay, I feel like I did it. And I, I'm interested in exploring other, other things that I'm interested in. Um, so that's when I discovered health coaching. Um, I know Gina, you didn't chat about your health coaching yet. So, um, I'll dab into that, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) so that's when I found the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and I immediately was just like drawn to the program. And I was like, this is something I want to do. And this is something that I can do in addition to potentially performing if I want to continue performing, which I did, um, you know, for another few years, I, I did continue to perform and, um, do some work, uh, with a local dance company in the city. Um, and I also taught fitness classes and I was like, this is perfect. I can kind of create my own brand. I can create a brand relating around fitness and wellness. And I think studying to both of us, I know Gina, we both realized that, wow, there's so much that we never talked about as performers. When we were young performers, there was no education on taking care of your body in a healthy and holistic way. It was always about image. It was always about looking a certain way. Yes, maybe there were like some nutrition classes, but they were never like interesting enough or they never were relatable enough where I was like, oh, I understand this information and I can input this into my, you know, daily routines. You know, it just never clicked and it was never, it just was never emphasized. It wasn't important. So that's kind of when, you know, Gina and I connected and we're like, yo, like we're on a mission. Let's change this. <laughs> Gina, what about you? So, you know, you were, you were on the cruise ship for so long. Um, I'm sure also you noticed how important for the both of you really it was to, to be on top of your health in all aspects of what health means to you um, because you were traveling so much. So what about you? How did you get involved in, in health coaching? Um, I always kind of was obsessed with health. I mean, as young women, like we're kind of bombarded with images of like what health looks like. Like, so I was always kind of dappling in it, no matter what I was doing, um, whether it was like in high school or on the ship, I was, you know, always involved in that. And I've noticed around me that the performers love, you know, they wanted to take care of their bodies. They were always going to the gym and, you know, things like that. So I was like, okay, this feels good. And, um, I ended up getting my BFA while I was on board um, through the new school. So I was constantly learning, constantly growing. I loved learning new things and educating myself. Um, like I said, I needed to be challenged because I was there for nine years. (laughs) Um, so on top of like different roles, I was also, um, getting my degree. And then, um, after I got my degree, I was like, 
I'm kind of not done learning. So (laughs) I um, researched ways that I could combine like my love of helping people with my obsession and um, focus on health and nutrition and and, uh, fitness. And I found this topic called health coaching. And I was like, what the hell is this? Um, so I researched and researched the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And I was like, okay, like this sounds, this sounds promising. And obviously going into it, I was more focused on like image, like what Danny said, like image focused, which is really what the performing industry focuses on a lot is like looking a certain way. And I was never really like, the, and it's really hard working for Disney because there's so many like Disney princesses and you have to look a certain way to play the role. And I was playing all the kids. Like I was the child actor. So I was like, Oh, like I'm not tall enough. I'm not pretty enough, not skinny enough. So like, I'm going to look at nutrition and health and see if I can like quote unquote, find the secrets or whatever. So that was kind of my intention for going to health um, coaching school but I got so much more out of it. It was not about image. It was more about um, holistic wellness in all aspects of your life. That's why they call it integrative um, nutrition, because it is focusing on not just your physical body, but your like your spiritual, mental um, body as well. And that's when I it really clicked for me where I was like, this needs to stop like focusing on body image and needs to focus more on the whole person. Um, and so that was a real eye-opening experience for me. And I shifted a lot of things in my life around health. Um, so that completely changed my life. And I tried to get clients like within my cast. Um, so I was doing practice clients on the ship. I would do like Skype calls (laughs) with people when Skype was like a thing and zoom wasn't. Um, so that was really cool. And, um, And then I started to kind of make an impact on my cast. Like I noticed a lot of uh, just anxiety around looking a certain way. And so I developed more of my practice based on self-love and perfectionism, because I noticed that those two topics are very common in the performing industry, especially within my casts. Um, uh, what I noticed on the regular, because like when you're doing like normal productions on land where, you know, there's a lot more diversity in the casts and, um, you get to see more of that on a regular basis. It, it it's probably not as prevalent. It's probably not as like in your face, but I was seeing like these like thin blonde, everybody looks the same white, you know, performers all the time. So I was like, well, if I don't look this way, then, you know, what's wrong with me? So there was a lot of issues around um, body image problems, which is why I like made it a huge passion uh, of mine within my health coaching practice. Um, So that was kind of my journey. And I still am am super, super interested in that, um, especially around performers. Yeah, which is exactly what I was going to ask you next. So I'm sure, Danny, you can touch on this a little bit. Um, Many of your clients, I imagine, are that you work with are fellow performers. So uh, what are some of the biggest challenges you see your clients go through as a performer trying to stay healthy in this insane career that we find ourselves in? Um, I mean, definitely, I would say 
performers or non-performers alike, I think it's oftentimes specifically women because of, you know, the images that we're surrounded by and the, you know, expectation that we're supposed to look a certain way in society. And, you know, um, you look this way, you will be loved or you will be accepted or, you know, blah, da da. Um, but particularly performers, definitely I found, and I mean, just from even growing up around performers and working with some performers, but you do see a lot of body image issues. Um, especially in the dance world, especially in the dance world. I mean, I know I have, you know, many friends who grew up with eating disorders and myself, I even had, I didn't have an eating disorder per se, but I definitely developed some disordered eating habits and that's, and I didn't realize it at the time, you know, I would, um, <laughs> I would be on this like seven day diet, <clears throat> excuse me. And I would be on like the only vegetable day and I would have no energy in ballet and I would have to sit out and I would, I would refuse to eat anything. I'd be like, no, it's vegetable day. So that was fucked up. Anyway, I'm sorry. God, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> this is our podcast, basically. Like, just what the hell what was, I doing? was that? Um, but you see that with performers. They're like, what's the next best diet? You know, what diet's the best one? Keto, you know, paleo, I'm vegan. You know, everybody has a specific diet and they think that there's a certain diet that's going to give them that the body that they expect to have, that they think they should have. Um, so really it's oftentimes just working to like rewire those thoughts and ask questions. Like, why do you think you need to be on that diet? Why, what do you know about that diet? Or like them asking us, like, tell me what to eat. What should I eat? Cause they just don't, they're just so unaware of their bodies and how to mm -hmm. fuel it. So Gina and I do a lot of work with like, you know, helping people to just learn to tune into their own body and learn to figure out what works for them. And for a lot of performers and for it's generally frustrating because performers, you know, we like to be told what to do sometimes. So we like to, you know, look at a certain diet and be like, okay, I'm going to follow that. And even just, you know, people in general, but you know, we like to follow a certain diet. So we like to be told exactly what to eat, when to eat it, you know, what time is lunchtime. Um, so it's really just kind of, you know, reworking that and tapping into hunger cues, like asking yourself, are you actually hungry? Um, you know, listening to when you're full, um, and then tuning into like what foods actually make you feel good, what foods make you feel energized, what foods make you feel your best, what foods, you know, help clear your skin, you know, just tapping into like all those very specific things. And, um, like I said, it can be frustrating for a lot of people, but, um, it's something that, you know, we think is so important. And I think it's something that everyone really needs to do in order to just find your your true self and your, your happiest and healthiest. Being. And we take a lot of the focus off of like what we were talking about earlier, like image. We take a lot of the focus away from like, you're not going to eat this food to look a certain way. You're going to eat this food to sustain energy on the stage or like to like improve the function of your body. Like, it's not just about like eating a certain way to lose 10 pounds. It's, it's not just about that. And I think a lot of people believe that they need to look a certain way to get a role. And it's, it's kind of about rewiring. And this is kind of the next thing we talk about in our podcast a lot is like redefining your version of success. And, you know, do you believe that you really need to lose that weight to get that role? Like, is that something that you value? Is that something that you believe you should be doing and something you support? Um, and then we also talk to performers about like, you know, 
will that role or will that show really um, fuel your life? Will it really fulfill you in that way? And um, we focus on, you know, what kind of goals and what kind of values do that does that person have and move forward from there as opposed to always feeling like they have to go for, you know, something that may not align with what they want um, just because it's like the next box that they need to tick um, in order to feel quote unquote successful. Um, you know, and in my own experience, I'm sure you have a similar story, Danny, and we've talked about it a bunch, but, um, you know, I felt like I needed to go back to New York because people were telling me that that was what I should be doing. And for a lot of people, like it's about the, what I should be doing as opposed to what makes me feel good. And for me, I chose like what felt good. Like it felt good to feel stable. It felt good to know where I was an entire year. It felt good to get an income like that and be able to pay for my education out of pocket. Like that was beautiful for me. And I didn't need to join the cattle, you know, in New York for me to feel successful. So we really try to change um, our clients' mindset or our listeners' mindset about that as well. Yeah. And I think too, like sometimes starting with just simple habits, starting with looking at your food and your habits, like your health habits, that can really open up the doors to explore those deeper questions about your career and about, you know, yourself. Um, so a lot of times it just starts with kind of working on the the nutrition and the physical aspect, and then you kind of work your way in and kind of peel back the onion layers, as they say. So what was your inspiration then behind creating your podcast? Um, our inspiration was, you know, just seeing the what was what we felt was not there for performers, at least for us growing up. And even we interviewed a guest recently who is a young student at NYU and she said the same. There was, there was no, you know, there is no education around nutrition and holistic lifestyle. Obviously, this is like a huge topic that now is much more mainstream. So a lot of people are dabbling into it. But again, it gets into that territory of like, oh, I should be eating this. I should be eating this instead of figuring out what really works for you. So our inspiration was just seeing a need in the industry, seeing that there are so many performers that struggle with this and something that we struggled with too, you know, we, we've been there firsthand and we got this education that really transformed our relationship with food and our relationship with ourself really. Um, and we wanted to be able to pass that information, inspiration, you know, energy on to other performers. And we really hope that we can make this more of a conversation in the industry. Yeah. Just trying to normalize, um, holistic health in the performing industry. I think we focus, like we've said, just too much on image and taking boxes and hustling. And we don't really get to slow down and focus on like what we really want and what wellness means to us. Um, I think we're so out of touch with our bodies and so out of touch with, um, with how to treat them and how to treat them properly um, and holistically. And this education definitely needs to be normalized and definitely needs to be put into our colleges, our, you know, even dance studio. Like I live in suburbia <laughs> right now and I'm just looking around. There's 
so many dance studios. I was writing out all these dance studios that are local to me. There's like 20 of them within like a 20 mile, 50 mile radius. There's a lot of them. And so I just think about all Mm -hmm. of, and you know, I was one of them. And I just think about all those little girls in leotards who you may maybe like don't fit the standard, don't fit that normal, um, quote unquote, normal um, body type in the performing industry that we think is ideal. And like, how does that girl feel? What is she doing? Like, what sacrifices is she making um, to look that way? And how does she feel about herself? And, you know, we need to be not only, you know, commenting on their talents and their techniques and things like that, but we also need to be training them how to take care of their bodies from the inside as well, because that is incredibly important. And if you want a career in performing, like you have to find a way to make it sustainable. Yes. You know, you have, because there can be a lot of injury. And the other, the other thing is when someone gets injured, that can be really traumatizing, right? Mm -hmm. Like that can totally dev be devastating. You can't dance, you can't perform. You have to just like watch rehearsals or Mm -hmm. take a step back. And so, you know, we also like to talk about how there's just so much more to you than just being a performer. Being a performer is absolutely a gift. It's a gift. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. And, you know, I think performers are the most wonderful people really. Um, but there's so much more to you and there's more that you have to offer. Like you are a whole and complete person. And Mm -hmm. so you get, you know, injured, you know, that's an opportunity for you to look inward and see what else you can bring to the table in the moment. And performing is always going to be there for you. There might not be, you know, there doesn't have to necessarily be a stopping point or an age limit. You know, you can bring something different as you get older, as your body changes, or, you know, you go through different life experiences. That's just what happens. And say with COVID, like, I'm sure you're going to ask that Maggie about like our COVID experience, because we've seen a lot of performers really shift that mindset because of COVID. It's been a year now since the pandemic hit at least the United States. And so many performers have lost their jobs, um, their identity in the performing arts and their purpose. Um, I'm curious to know how you two are coping with this loss of live theater and live performance and what you're doing to protect your physical health and mental health? Yeah. I mean, I've been out of the, uh, performing world, like on the stage for, um, a couple of years now. And it just, it was a beautiful opportunity in the moment. I thought it was like the worst thing that ever happened to me. Um, obviously because it was all I knew and all I felt like I could do. Um, so I had to really have uh, some exploration, some self-exploration and discovery around who I am as a person, what I can offer, what my values are and, um, and just what else I like to do. Like, I, I really didn't, um, know that. So I kind of had my little experience or, or, um, discovery moment two years ago. And a lot of people had that time, um, this, this past year, And I was really trying to like comfort those people as much as I can, because I have a ton of performer friends who lost their jobs on the ship 
or um, who got let go from the parks or whatever, because I was in that like a Disney World area in Florida for a while. Um, so it didn't really affect me as much because I had actually already gone through that tough experience, which I was really grateful that I did um, because I wouldn't have known how to grow and wouldn't have known how to move forward because um, it was such an individual problem or individual issue I was going through. Um, so I got to see all these other people around me go through it and I tried to help them through it. And, and we really tried to spread our message through the podcast of like, this, I, this does not define you, you know, yes, you may have lost your job as queen Elsa in Epcot, (laughs) but that does not mean that that's all you can do. Um, and that's not all who you are. So, um, I obviously feel for those people and I want, I want the industry to come back stronger. Um, I think it was actually a really good thing that this happened because it got to, it got to really dig deep into those performers of like, okay, I can't do this. Like what else can I do? It got them to be creative it got them to look outside of who they are and what else they can do and who they want to become. Um, and I'm hoping that when the industry does come back, it's going to be stronger. It's going to be more diverse. It's going to be, um, just more open-minded and, um, and just, just better than what it was because it, it definitely needed some changes. It needed to grow in some way. And as much as this sucked for a lot of people, Um, I think that it was a good change that needed to happen. Yeah. Um, for me as well, um, I, I've been kind of out of the, uh, performing industry since I guess 2019. So 2018, 19, so kind of right before, um, but I decided to, you know, go bigger into the fitness world, um, which is of course, another industry that was hit very hard by the pandemic. So Although I'm not, you know, necessarily experiencing the loss of live theater personally, I'm exper- I experienced the loss of fitness classes in New York City, um, which were not able to happen for an entire year because um, my studio that I was working at, the Bar Method, uh, was in Manhattan, and I was uh, managing and training teachers and all that. So I spent the year, you know, working at home virtually. Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was very energized. I was like, okay, we're going to do virtual classes. Awesome. And, you know, I'm going to help more people. I'm going to like support, like who needs support? You know, I was really gung-ho and like energized. And then, you know, the reality started to sink in, you know, I think like probably by like July, August, I was like, oh, this is like never ending. (laughs) So I was like, okay, time to like think, uh, just like take a step back. So kind of took a step back and I was like, okay, where do I see my future self? What is important to me a few years down the road? And, you know, I started to realize that what is important for me is stability because I, you know, I turned 30, I'm 31 now. Um, and I actually, I, I do see myself you know, having a family and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm in no place to start having a family right now financially. So much student loan debt. It's like insane. And I really have kind of, I've been paying off my loan, but I've neglected it a bit because I put other things as priorities. So I've decided that, okay, you know what? 
I'm going to make a big change and it's going to be really hard and it's going to be so uncomfortable, but I'm going to look for a job. I'm going to look for a different job, something I've never done before, um, which I'm still doing. I'm still interviewing, looking for positions. Um, I'm looking for something remote, um, something in maybe a more startup culture vibe. Um, and something where I can do what I love to do, which is work with people. Um, something I love about my job in fitness right now is I love working with people. I love training teachers. Um, I love bringing in new people. So, you know, something relating to that. Um, but it's been really hard. It's been really challenging. I've definitely struggled mentally, emotionally throughout this whole period. So I really feel for, for performers. I really do because I'm there, but in a totally different way. Um, you know, and I think to what Gina said, like, it really sucks. This thing sucks, but like, we're going to come out of this so much stronger because we took a year to reflect. We took a year to figure out who we really are, what's really important to us and where we see for ourselves in the future. And we got real with some, you know, really big questions. Like, you know, you brought up like diversity in the industry. There's so many things that needed to get a slap in the face. So we, we did need this time, you know, sometimes shit happens and we just have to make something magical out of it. And I think that's what's going to happen to the industry when it comes back full force. Exactly. Which is why, you know, my last, the last thing I really wanted to talk to you both about was this idea of the Broadway body um, and dismantling that. And I think it's so iconic that both of you mentioned that this time, though it has been traumatic for so many of us, um, has also really made the industry reflect on the future of the business and what what this means and why this this idea of the Broadway body has been so put on a pedestal for so long. Um, I don't know if I have a specific question about it, but I, I'm just curious to know your thoughts on where you are with that and how you're working towards... Um, stepping away from that idea. It's really important. And I mean, Broadway body, ballet body, whatever, you know, industry you're in, it's so prevalent. I'm actually watching, so this is a slight tangent, but um, I'm watching the On Point documentary. I mean, it's on Disney Plus, so it's of course painted in like a very positive light. It's really honest and touching, like it makes me cry. I'm looking at all these girls. And first of all, when they they go in like SAB, it's about SAB, School of American Ballet, um, and moving into New York City Ballet. So they go and like recruit recruit young dancers in like different boroughs of the city, which I think is fantastic. You know, they go to the Bronx, Brooklyn, you know, whatever. Um, but the way they pick out people, it's fascinating. It's so old school. Like they take these kids. These kids are like six years old and they like bend their bodies to like see their flexibility. They like, they like, they're holding them and they're making sure they can get their leg up. They're looking at their turnout. They're, they're like forcing their feet and they're like, okay, she has good feet. Okay. Like that's how they pick people. So everybody in that school has the same exact body, like the same stick figure ballerina body. And, you know, I actually don't think ballet is going to change anytime soon, especially a company like New York city ballet. But, you know, I do think that there are areas, you know, of dance, like, you know, modern dance and, you know, maybe more underground or contemporary ballet companies, they're definitely changing a little bit. Um, I think there's people out there who are having this conversation. I found um, a YouTube channel of a former Miami City ballet performer, and she has a lot of videos about body image and, you know, really 
horrible things that were said to her and, you know, and she was on like national TV talking about it. So it's definitely conversations that people are having. And I think it's really important to kind of move away from that unhealthy image because some people naturally are thin, you know, um, but some people aren't. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't dance or, you know, that doesn't mean you should starve yourself to look that way. You know, it's about like accepting who you are and accepting your body for what it is and showing gratitude for your body. Be grateful for the body you have and the strength that you have and nourish it with real food to give you energy. And I think that's really the mindset we have to move into is feeling, feeling strong, feeling um, energized and eating foods and taking care of yourself in a way that's going to make you be that way, you know, feel that way. God, this is like a huge topic. You know, this is huge. <laughs> this is like my whole being at the moment. So um, obviously like my brand is all about self-love and perfectionism, body image issues, emotional eating, like all that shit. So this is like huge. Um, I'm reading a book um, right now and it is blowing my mind. Um, it's called More Than a Body. It's by Lexi and Lindsay Kite. Please, God, read this book. Every woman in the world, read this book. It is all about how we objectify ourselves and dehumanize our bodies. Um, and it is incredible. And I think that in order, um, there's a documentary that she, I just read a chapter this morning. Um, there's a documentary called um, Killing Her Softly. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's about advertising and how we objectify the woman's body in advertising. Um, and I've watched a lot of other documentaries like misrepresentation and you know other things, but it all starts with what we think is the ideal body. And we only get that from our media and our TV, our social media, our um, movies, like it's there in front of us. So if we want to change what we think is the Broadway body slash ideal body, um, we need to start changing our environment. We need to start changing what we're looking at, what we're accepting to look at, like what movies we're watching. Like now, now that I know all this knowledge and know that like most of, um, you know, the films that are out there are there to objectify and over-sexualize women's bodies, I refuse to watch them. And I think we have to slowly be just not accepting those things. And when we are constantly, you know, drawing ourselves towards it and glorifying these things in our environment, that's when things don't change. That's when, when you accept that that is a part of our culture and that is the ideal body, then that is the expectation that you put on yourself. And if you don't expect that from your culture, then you start to not accept it from yourself and you accept like what is there, what is real. Um, so that is how I feel. I feel like in order to change how we feel up here in our mind, you have to start changing what you're looking at and what is around you and the conversations that you're having with other women, especially young people um, around the ideal body and what their bodies need to look at and like how we're glorifying our bodies and objectifying them. Um, and if we focus so much on the physical body and that is our whole being and, 
you know, our ideal of our self-worth, like we're never going to get very far. We're always going, no matter how thin we get, it's not going to be thin enough. You know, no matter how we look, it's not going to be enough for this role or whatever. And we're going to always blame ourselves. So that is my two cents on it. And it's like a huge, huge topic um, that I'm interested in. So I would, I would definitely recommend for all your listeners and all your young people performers to just try to focus on who you're following on social media, what images you're looking at and are they real? Like, are they realistic and, and do the, how do they make you feel? Do they make you feel like shit? Do they make you feel like whatever you do to quote unquote, improve your body isn't enough? Like, you know, what are those things that are affecting you every day and try to change that and, and look out and seek out real women who are talking about mm. other things other than their bodies. Well said. <laughs> well said, Gina and and Danny, um where can we find you? Where can we learn more about you and how can we find your podcast? Yeah. You can uh, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at on stage with wellness. Um, our podcast is on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, I believe. Uh, so check us out there. We have new episodes out every single Monday. Um, you can personally at Danny Nicole Wellness. And I have a private practice called Fully Loving You.